This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at cosmicpotato.com. <laughs> All right. Uh, Chris, do you want to stick around? Sure, if you need me, yeah. Uh, I don't know what we're talking about, but I can wing it. We're talking <laughs> about headcanon, and we've got, I mean, we've got examples of just headcanon that we, uh, and you can, uh, if you come up with some as we're talking, that's great. If you don't, you can just talk to us about ours if you want. And how yeah. I'm, 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 I'm sure that you have some that will, that will remember after I know I've got a couple on my list that you're probably going to have some things to say about, so... <laughs> Oh, there's usually uh, that's usually a guarantee. Anyway, <laughs> All right. yeah, I'll, I'll stick around. Sure, sure. Okay, I'll be right back. Okay. After these messages, you'll be right back. Yeah, I've got to eat something. So I'm I'm gonna mute the mic, but I'm here. Okay. Would you rather have things randomly explode when you touch them, or eat Martin Scorsese's eyebrows off his face? Is it a guarantee that things, when you say random, so it's not a guarantee? Yeah, you don't. It could happen. You don't know what's going to explode. You just know that sometimes things explode when you touch them. Yeah, I'll lose the hand. (laughs) I don't want to eat any eyebrows. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Would you rather accidentally blow up the moon or hook up with Yoda? Come on, now that's mean. I'm going to blow up the moon. <laughs> if I blow up the moon, that hurts everybody. If I hook up with Yoda, that hurts me. Um, <laughs> and it says below that, it says... And Yoda. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's going to be... Um, when you say Chris and Yoda together, Coda? <laughs> when they're shipping us. And it says below that, it says horny I am. Yoris? Would you rather kill a new animal every night and sleep inside its carcass or everyone you don't want to see naked is always naked I'm gonna go with that one seeing naked people everywhere you go that's gotta be better than sleeping in a disgusting stinky animal carcass I agree with that I agree with that at least I can go home and there's no uh, nobody that I don't want to see naked you know well, I mean, yeah, people do come in my house, but <laughs> yeah, but no, no, no. Think about it. Would that like include your family members that you don't want to see naked? I would just what the hell conversation did I just come back? If I, just, <laughs> if I walk into the room and there's family members that are naked that I don't want to see naked, they will immediately have blankets thrown on them, or I'll just walk around blindfolded all the time. How about that? There you go, walking to walls. <laughs> uh. You're the ground. You're the goalkeeper who blows the game losing save for England in the World Cup, or you have to relive middle school. I'll I'll be the goalkeeper. <laughs> I did I, not I enjoy really middle school. I didn't mind middle school that much, but you know, who cares? It's sports. Yeah. It just seems a lot easier to blow the oh, goal. <laughs> Who's opening my door and yelling? My wife and my daughter are deciding to argue very loudly in the other room. You want to give it five minutes? Or? No. They, she can handle it. <laughs> it's just my door opened for some reason, and it was uh, coming through. Okay. All right. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. 
Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. We've got you covered with everything from Marvel to Star Wars. I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. Classic films, trivia games, and beyond. Come on to the coast and get together, have a few laughs. Now, on with the show. Keep that change, you filthy animal. Hey everybody, and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast, a show that knows that even though 70% of the Earth is covered in water, in the movies, spaceships always crash on land. <laughs> <laughs> My name is... In the, Sean... in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or in, or in the Tunisian desert somewhere. Uh, my name is Sean Ray, and sitting across the virtual table from me is a guy that definitely knows the difference between Twilight and the Twilight Zone. John Irons, how are you? I know them both well enough to know that they are one and the same. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, Don't tell anyone. And joining us, uh, as usual, is one of the hosts of Wait You've Never Seen, which can be heard right here on CosmicPotato.com, Virginia Pickle. How are you? Fine, thank you. And one of the hosts of the Quantum Leap podcast, Mr. Christopher DeFilippis. How's it going, sir? Very well, sir. How are you? I'm I'm doing wonderful. Uh, I feel like no one ever asked you, Sean. Sean, welcome to Cosmic Potato. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for asking. Um, I wanted to try something out tonight, and I don't know uh, how it's going to work out, but Virginia and John, did you guys bring anything interesting for me tonight? Oh. We did. Um, All right. Virginia, you go first then. <laughs> Um, well, I had seen this last week. I don't know if, if um, everybody knows about the um, Star Trek-themed liquor that's been coming out. I've heard um, of it. I knew there was Star Trek beer. Um, there's a silver screen bottling company that so far has come out with uh, James T. Kirk bourbon whiskey and Tin Forward Vodka. <laughs> and they announced last week uh, last week that they're coming out with Montgomery Scott Scotch. Mm. Hmm. I'm just like, who who hasn't come up with Romulan Ale yet? Like that seems like an obvious an obvious the, win there. I, I might be caught I've, up in rights issues. Yeah. Well, I think I've heard that somebody had put out a drink called Romulan Ale before, and it was ba- basically I think it was just vodka with food coloring in it to make it green. <laughs> you know, probably. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I know they've got. I know they've had beers out there before. I think you bought one, didn't? Didn't you buy a, a yeah, Star Trek beer? Um, did you ever drink it? Um, Shane drank it. Oh, did <laughs> <laughs> you? Um, I like more um wine and then like margaritas and stuff. He's more of the beer drinker. So I had plans. One night we were doing. I think it was when um the season two trailer had come out and I had just gotten it. So I was like, Oh, I'll taste test it on the episode. Well, I forgot it's the near <laughs> universe star Trek beer or whatever. Um, so he just drank it later, but he was like, you wouldn't like it. <laughs> it's very, it's not good. Uh, I know that they've had star Trek, um, like colognes and stuff out there before they had, they had a cologne called Pon Far. And they had oh, a really? they had a cologne called Shirtless Kirk. You oh know. my god! I don't know what they smell like, but they're out there. It smells like Shirtless Kirk. Mm. <laughs> All right, John, you got anything? 
Not really, no. Okay. Well, I will I will defer to the amazing fact generator and I will read five random facts. So, um Actually, the Mental Floss Amazing Fact Generator says that it is a, right now it is a Life on Mars Fact Generator, so these might all be about Mars. Mars' surface shifts in a different way than Earth's, resulting in huge Martian volcanoes up to 100 times bigger than those on our planet. I actually knew that because I took an astrology, astronomy, not astrology. Astrology. (laughs) I took an astronomy (laughs) class a few years ago. Did you see it in the cards? Yeah. Uh, each spacecraft is scrubbed and inspected before it's sent to Mars as part of a strict planetary protection protocol meant to prevent contamination from Earth. Um, all right, all right. The dust storms on Mars are huge. One 2018 planet encircling event was the size of North America and Russia combined. Uh, wow. Number four. The temperature at the polar ice caps, which are cold, arid deserts similar to Antarctica, can reach frigid temperatures of negative 189.67 degrees Fahrenheit. Holy cow. So, a little chilly. Bring a jacket. (laughs) And now it wants to show me an ad. Okay. Uh, Future Martians might marvel at the Valles Marineris, a.k.a. Mariner Valley, the same way Earthlings marvel at the Grand Canyon. The huge rift is more than eight times the length of the Grand Canyon and four times as deep. Isn't, isn't that what um, dude had to drive across or around on the Martian? I don't know if it was that exact <laughs> yeah, one, but yeah, something similar. I'm sure there's more than one canyon. <laughs> and, <laughs> they might admire it if they can see through all the dust. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So tonight we're going to talk about headcanon. And John, can you define headcanon better than I can? We'll see. <laughs> um, to me, headcanon is, let's say you're watching your show and they there's an inconsistency or they they try to not even retcon it. They just, just something is... It doesn't make sense. Something happens that doesn't make sense. Okay, well, if they did this, then why wouldn't blah, blah, blah. Headcanon is the story that you invent for yourself in order to pave over the plot holes. It, it is the... Um, <laughs> it is the lie you tell yourself. It is, or or it, it is the story you have to construct to have both of these inconsistent facts um, be true. Head head cannon is the is the is the salve for the mind of the nerd or fan. Yeah, and one thing that I do, and you'll notice with one with one of mine that um, when you're into sci-fi and you watch a lot of different kinds of sci-fi, you start to get theories about the way some things would actually work. Like you might have your own theory of how time travel would work if it was possible, and sometimes one of your favorite movies doesn't exactly mesh with what is in your mind so you might you might try and rectify that you might create more plot holes for yourself you know <laughs> but it's just <laughs> canon that that is in your head so uh what we're going to do is uh we're going to talk about some of the head canons that we have uh we've got a few examples i'll okay i'll do the first one and this kind of kind of goes along with what i was just talking about this one's from back to the future 
Marty McFly vanished from Hill Valley in 1985 and was never heard from again. <laughs> because, alright, they established in Back to the Future Part 2. I'm Now, I know this is going to make me sound like a nerd. But I am a nerd. That's just the way it goes. That's why I'm podcasting. Um, back to the Future Part 2, they established, and Chris, you're going to have to back me up on this or, or argue with me. Alright, vehe- vehemently, <laughs> But, uh, when future Biff went back to 1955, he created an alternate 1985 where the town was all slums and stuff, right? And right. the doc said that it was because he went back and he changed something in the past and it created an alternate timeline and that's the one that they were in. Okay. Well, in the first movie, Marty goes back to 1955 he can never be able to go back to his 1985 because just by being in 1955, he created an alternate timeline where he was there. So when he went home and his parents are suddenly rich and his dad was a famous writer and all that, he's in a parallel universe. So he, he, he never went back to his world. And every time he used the time machine to go back, he created another parallel universe. And then it gets even more complicated because he's not even the original Marty. Because <laughs> at the end of part two, you know, he gets a letter from Doc in 1885. And that means that he's actually part of a universe that was created when another version of the Doc went back to 1885. And then he, when he went back in time, he created another universe. So in that world... And there's a world where Doc still gets shot, and then there's one where he saved him and all that kind of stuff. So, And when we finally see him go home at the end of Part 3, he's not home. He's in a parallel universe that was created from all of his adventures. So, But it's still the same Marty. It's not a different Marty because you're thinking of it um, two, three-dimensionally. We're following the <laughs> linear... We're following the linear Marty throughout those movies. I think that if you're... Okay, I think you have a valid point there, Sean with all of the alternate dimensions and all that stuff. But I think we have to take it for granted that Marty is the through line for all of those films. And yeah. mm-hmm. I, you know, you're not wrong. I just, I just it's just I, when you, when you think about hmm. it, just just from the, the fact that doc, the way doc explains that in part two, that going back yep. in time created another timeline. Then yeah, in the first yep. movie, he created the timeline that he's in now. Now, you got to also look at the way the time travel works in Back to the Future because even though they don't really show it, there is a scene, and they always intended for this to be like ripple effects, and that's why it didn't, Marty didn't just disappear automatically when um, he was up, uh, when, when Lorraine's father found him in the street instead of George mm-hmm. and brought him home. Because. I think that they posited that that it's like ripple effects, and then uh, it'll take a while for the new future to solidify, and that's why he was slowly disappearing at the end and seeing through his hand and all that stuff, and why the picture was changing little by little. And this was cemented a little bit more in Back to the Future 2. There's a scene that they cut out when Biff, when Biff comes out of the DeLorean after changing the future, um, or changing the past, I should say, um, future Biff. He comes out and he's he's like he's distraught. He seems like he's in great pain, and mm-hmm. you know, I I always took it to believe that he hit himself with his walking stick. 
because he couldn't get out of the car and then it hit him and but really what it was it was it was that version of Biff actually disappearing from existence and they they showed a scene that was cut eventually where he was in the street and just eventually vanished so what? yeah so <laughs> he was, wild. he was yeah well he cuz he created his own demise that version of Biff would not have existed any longer so I don't know that they go with an alternate universe, um, Sean. I think they go with overwriting in those films. And in that in that case, Marty is, is basically a demigod. He's yeah, second only to Doc because, because you've, you've everybody got, else – he's Flashpoint every other second. <laughs> you've also got that uh, when he travels to the future in part two, he sees his future self when he gets there. He has to be in an alternate – universe because if, if if he were in his universe then when he got into the time machine and left for the future then he would have disappeared and he would have been gone for 30 years there wouldn't be a future version of himself there because he would be it now you're not thinking three-dimensionally enough <laughs> <laughs> because that happened before he went home and jennifer stopped him from doing the drag race with needles yeah so Again, if you're looking at Marty as the through line for all of this, it happens in a perfectly linear fashion for him. Yeah. It's almost like these are not supposed to be sci-fi movies. They're supposed to be comedies. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just something that... Uh, and it, and it, it, it didn't strike me when I first saw the, the three movies when I was a kid, but years of watching time travel uh, movies and Star Trek and everything else... Which, I mean, I'll get into Star Trek in a little while, but, I mean, Star Trek uh, has different rules for time travel every time they use it, <laughs> you know? So, um, so years of watching that kind of stuff has slowly caused me to, whenever I watch Back to the Future, I'm like, that's not the way it would happen. It's <laughs> not the way it would happen. <laughs> so, all right. Um, okay, so, Virginia, what's your uh, what's your first headcanon you want to share with us? Um... I think let um, Star Trek, the motion picture, they talk about V'ger. Um, it must have been, you know, taken in by a machine planet that helped it create the big, you know, the big apparatus that it returned to Earth with. Um, I choose to believe that that machine planet was the Borg planet. And that V'ger was connecting, like... The, that was the first connection between the Borg and, like, humanity. Unknowingly. Yeah. They they said that in a novel. It was... Uh, oh, really? Yeah, one of the novels that Judith and... What is it? Judith and Garfield Stevens... They write some Star Trek novels, yeah. And they wrote a novel that is supposedly written by William Shatner, but not really. It's got William Shatner's name on it. He wrote a trilogy of novels in the 90s. Um, and one of them is called The Return. And it is about um, the Borg going to the, the, the planet where Kirk was buried at the end of uh, Generations. The Borg go to that planet and take his body. And they assimilate mm-hmm. it. They assimilate it with nanotechnology. And they cause him to be like the next Locutus. And uh, oh, and that's goodness. one of the things that they that they put forth is that V'ger humanity's first encounter with the Borg was actually when Kirk encountered V'ger because V'ger had been assimilated by the Borg. 
but it's not canon as far as in the show and stuff because the stuff yeah. that's in the books don't really doesn't doesn't really count, you know. So. Yeah, I didn't. I had no idea that was in the books or anything. I just um, I had been watching it and I was like, I wonder if that's what it is. And then I turned on the um, commentary track and one of them was saying like, "There's been a lot of theories about the the Borg and the Vija," and I was like, I knew it. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, I mean, it makes sense. Read- it makes sense. I don't know. I, I read The Return. I don't remember any of that stuff. I remember liking it, but I don't remember the whole Locutus angle. But and I was reading a lot of Star Trek books. I probably <laughs> plowed through it. We, you don't remember them turning Kirk into it? He, he didn't have... Like, I remember that they brought him back to life, and I remember that he eventually got the nanites out of his system through some kind of weird alien mud. And that's that's kind of where I left it. And yeah. he was with Spock, and they brought a hologram of McCoy into the book, and I think Bashir was in it, too. Yeah. But... Virginia, the only, I, I mean, I like that idea, but the only thing that, that V'ger had that the Borg don't is this questing curiosity to know, yeah. to connect. And the Borg are just conquer. The Borg are just, you will be assimilated. You will, you know, you will become, so to, to add to our greatness, V'ger is True. missing that part of the Borg mentality. Could it be because of that faulty wire? I don't know, but I don't know. It just seems like he Vidra was was lost and well, looking for home. And the ball, bo- the Borg, wherever they yeah. are, is is good enough. They'll they'll just assimilate it. It will become home. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, but all all of it makes sense. I mean, it definitely. Anytime that you start talking about a machine world or whatever it it conjures up images of uh the borg have we ever seen the borg home world in star trek i don't it may have been in sure. can i blow can. your mind you uh, sure could 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 viger have come from the assimilated earth that we saw briefly in first contact launched from there alternate timeline yeah that was my mind blowing. There you go, right? <laughs> and it somehow slipped through the chrononomic matrix or whatever horseshit thing they came up with to protect them from the changes in the timeline. And hmm. But Vo- okay, so Viger was supposed to be the Voyager satellite that was launched in the sixties, right? It was Voyager six. Yeah, Voyager. So six. I don't think I don't think Voyager six had been launched when the motion picture came out because it was supposed to be like even the old even like the past in star trek was in our future at that time if that makes sense i just i I know that the the borg when they go back in time and first contact they go to early 21st century so you think voyager 6 would have been launched would have already been launched by then yeah i see curses (laughs) hey that's what is headcanon we're making all this stuff up anyway so (laughs) all right john what about you uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. Because I had my mic off for a while and I forgot. So, here we go. Um, mine is not so much sci-fi. The Powerpuff Girls don't have hands. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, they seem to have no problem doing all the things that people will do with hands. They pick stuff up, they can toss and catch. So, here's my, here's my head cannon. Um, the same anti-gravity field, the field of energy that allows them to fly, um, they, on a subconscious level, manipulate that field 
at the base of their um, arms and through a combination of that energy and like a phantom limb syndrome uh, they actually create hands made just of that energy <laughs> Chris yeah. you want to knock that one down <laughs> no, no, it, no it reminds no, me I, of, got, uh, I, I got no defense on that one it reminds me of when my daughter was young and she used to watch VeggieTales and uh, they would pick something up and she'd say dad how, how are they picking that up they don't have any arms and I'm like yeah you are my daughter <laughs> <laughs> and your answer was of course because Jesus <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> and, I, and I, usually my response was more like, "It's just a TV show. Just watch it." <laughs> so you don't have a problem with them talking, but they can't pick stuff up. Okay, and <laughs> well, I mean, because like it's a cucumber or a tomato, and they would walk over to something, and then that thing would just start floating in front of them, like they picked it up with invisible arms, you know? Right, but that's the thing. Like what's there's once you accept that the magic is happening and there are a cucumber and a torment and a and a tornado and a tomato and they're having a conversation yeah. about hair about the hairbrush yeah oh where is my hairbrush yeah <laughs> bonus points I didn't think you would get that <laughs> <laughs> hey I, I used to I used to have to watch that show a lot um, and kind of it also reminds me kind of when uh, there was an episode of the Simpsons you know the Simpsons only have four fingers and uh, mm-hmm. Lisa was talking about uh, evolution. And she said, uh, it could be possible that some t- sometime in the future, man could grow a fifth finger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Chris, do you have any that you've uh, got stored away in, in your mind? Are Lost you- it over the years. I mean, here's the the funny thing is all my headcanon usually dealt with little inconsistencies in Star Trek. And forgive me, Sean, for repeating myself because we talked about this a little bit on Prime Direction. But that was what fueled me to want to become a writer was mm-hmm. to fill in all of the little gaps in like the original series continuity. And um, it's funny that you bring up The Return because the thing that I thought of most was the fact that in First Contact, Zephram Cochran is apparently from Earth, whereas in the original series, he's from Alpha Centauri. Yeah. And mm. and um, the fact that when they find Zeke on Earth in 2160, he's a hell of a lot older than the, the Cochran that they find on the planet with the companion. And there was a whole book that sort of talked about that. And they brought Cochran back onto the Enterprise, and it was like a really neat like. But someone had beat me to that one, you know. Yeah. So I'm I'm trying to remember what book it was, and I can't. And I'm sorry to the author because I really enjoyed that one. It was probably one of the giant novels, or uh, you know, one of the first hardcovers. But um, that, that reminds one was really me good. of um, I I used to write um, some fan fiction online, and I wrote a story based on Smallville. And in my story, the whole idea was that um, it was kind of a flash forward. I don't know if you remember there was a there was a storyline in the comics back in the '90s where Wave Rider came and he went to all of the major heroes in the DC universe and he would touch them, and when he would touch them, he would see their future, and they would have like a whole issue of showing what their future was, and he was doing it because he was looking for. Um, 
one of the heroes that was supposed to turn into like this major villain in the future and he wanted to stop them before that happened so he was just going around to all of them seeing what their future was and uh, so in my story it was part of that and Wave Rider came to Smallville and he got hold of uh, Clark and and grabbed him and was able to see his future so then I did like a future Superman story where it took place 10-15 years later and, and Clark is Superman and everything and uh, one of the things that I wrote in was that um, he has a pair of glasses and the glass is cut from his um, ship that he came from that that he came from Krypton in and it has a hypnotic effect and when he puts them on he puts them on in front of Lois and when he puts them on, uh, no, in front of Lana, he puts them on, and all of a sudden she says, "Oh my God, you look completely different when you put those glasses on." <laughs> <You know>? uh. <laughs> I thought you were going to explain away the amnesia kiss at the end of two. No, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no. It's just explaining why Clark can put on glasses and suddenly people can't uh, can't tell who he is or whatever. So, yeah. um, I like it. All right, my my next one. That wasn't my next one. That was just one I thought of, but. Uh, <laughs> My next one is actually staying with Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Discovery. Ever since the first episode of Discovery, there have been gatekeeping fan holes that have held on to the argument that the technology on Discovery is too far advanced to be a prequel to the original series. So, I suggest that the explanation for the fact that they have advanced technology can be found in a couple of different places, but mostly in Star Trek First Contact and the Enterprise episode Regeneration. Um, The Borg traveled back to Earth in the 21st century. The Enterprise destroys the Borg sphere and scatters nanoprobes all over the place. And there's also a couple of Borg that kind of drift off into space. And then in that Enterprise episode, the, uh, you know, Archer and friends find... um, several Borg drones like frozen in ice in the Arctic uh, Circle which also suggests that there could be other drones in other places around the Earth buried somewhere so I would suggest that some of those drones are found or some of those nanoprobes are found and uh, analyzed and it causes our technology to get advanced way more quickly than it would have originally and so by the time Discovery comes around, the technology is more advanced than it was the first time that we saw the original series timeline. Does that make any sense? Did I make any sense at all, or am I just rambling? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, sure. Because they kind of did that with <laughs> they kind of did that with the films. Because like I said, you know, you can go back into the whole alternate timeline thing like I did with Back to the Future. But Star Trek uses different rules every time they use time travel. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, in the 2009 movie, Nero goes back in time and he has a ship that is covered in Borg technology. Spock goes back in time with a ship that Geordi had built based on uh, Borg technology, if you read those comics that came out before the movie came out. And, um, and that means that... Borg technology got introduced to that timeline way earlier than it should have and they were able to analyze it and that's why in the future installments of those films it's like they're using holograms and stuff like that when they weren't in the original series you know because 
that timeline has more advanced technology because of the Borg technology. So, and I'll buy that because um, it's explicitly stated as an alternate universe. But when you think of Discovery as being in the Prime Universe and the Prime Universe as being a continuous kind of whole, I don't know that you can sort of retroactively put the fact that there were some Borg in the past changing the look of the future that we've known because those changes always would have been there. It would have been part of the fabric of that reality. Yeah. In in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you can, that's why it's called head cannon. <laughs> well, actually now that you, but you, when you're talking about the technology, I thought of one specific head cannon thing that I've always had when, when it's come to the original series and why does everything in their quote future look so, you know, ridiculously outmoded for us and I always clung to a piece of the action when they talked about transponder technology being the building block of all of their technology mm-hmm. and I always thought that okay well then maybe in the future like transponders to them are like transistors to us maybe they just discovered this technology that it works with subspace it works with whatever they need to run a starship but they're still in the early stages of transponder technology so it's bigger it's clunkier. It's it's mm. it's less sleek, and as the years go on, you get, you know, smaller and smaller, sleeker and sleeker until you get the Elcars Hilton, and I think that it's it's the way in in my head as even as a young Star Trek viewer, I said, okay, how can I fix this obvious visual you know gap? Mm-hmm. So anyone buy that? I love that actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, when it comes to Star Trek, because I think it's because we've seen so much Star Trek and uh, written by so many different writers and made in different eras of uh, of the last fifty years that there's there's going to be a lot of this kind of stuff. Uh, saying that, Virginia, I know you said you had a couple other Star Trek <laughs> head cannons, right? <laughs> well, I I um. This is sort of episode specific, but I just saw this episode the other day, so it made me think of it. There's that um, that episode, Up the Long Ladder, the one with the awful Irish stereotypes. And they have to, like, the, the Irish people can't stay on their planet, and the people they eventually join can't reproduce because they're, um, like... Uh, replicant fading they've had to clone each other for a long time which series is this this is the next generation oh okay okay i think i saw that one recently and so they have to sort of repopulate this planet that they're now all on um so every woman has to have like three children by three different men or something like that well of course Riker hits on anything in a skirt when when they come (laughs) on the enterprise so I believe that while she was there, she got pregnant. So there's a bunch of little Rikers running around on that planet. <laughs> further, further diversifying the gene pool. So really, it's a benefit for their for their society. Yeah, yeah, I can go with that. <laughs> that reminds. She got me. the full Riker. <laughs> what? <laughs> she got the full Riker. <laughs> true. True. 
that reminds me if you go on our Facebook page I posted a link yesterday um, somebody created a Star Trek randomizer so if you log into your Netflix or your Hulu account and you use the Star Trek randomizer it'll just start showing you a random episode of Star Trek from any of the series so if, you, if you're like me and sometimes you feel like watching Star Trek but it takes you an hour to pick which episode you want to watch <laughs> you know you just click on that and it'll just start showing you a random episode <laughs> Um, okay. John, go ahead. You got another one? Um, sure. Um, it's not like a fully formed theory. It's just kind of pieces that seem to fit, I guess. Uh, zombies. Um, and I wrote this as I was like, just waking up. So let me see if I can interpret what I was. (laughs) (laughs) It says, uh, based on attempted evolution, virus super okay here we go so obviously there's lots of different um, interpretations of the zombie um, sometimes it's super fast sometimes it's super slow but basically the thing is something that should kill a person doesn't kill them or it does kill them and then they come back and they usually want to eat the person if not the person's brains mm-hmm. so yeah. um, my thinking is that whatever the virus or whatever is it's 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 like it's an attempted evolution so zombies like should be the next phase of um homo sapien but it it can't quite get it right so what it does is it super it supercharges the nervous system um and again it's again em field what does that even mean (laughs) <laughs> All right. Anyway, it supercharges, <laughs> it supercharges the nervous system, um, which is why a oh EMP, okay. So right. So uh, damaging the brain damages this field, like breaking a circuit. So that's why you got to get them in the brain to make them stop, because the rest of the body is the muscles are barely moving. It's only moving. Because the 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 mind, the, well, not the mind, but the brain and like uh, the neurons and the and the fluid from the brain are supercharged. So the brain is the key to everything. A, killing the brain breaks the circuit. B, they want brains because instinctively they know that that is the only part of their body that matter. And C, they need to replenish the chemicals slash the fluid that is in the brain because it's running at this high octane level. So the only way to get more of that fuel is to eat more brains. <laughs> yeah. And they are so that so that's why they're like, you know, they're drawn to living brains the same way like like a like a baby is drawn to suckle at the breast. It doesn't know that I you know, I need milk to live. It just knows. It it's just feels. It's instinctive. I have to get this thing. This thing is what I need, and that's why they go after brains. That's right. I just compared a newborn baby to a zombie. Boy. <laughs> they come they kinda, at me. They come said, at me, internet. They kind of said that in the one of the Return of the Living Dead movies that one of the zombies said being dead is painful, and the only thing that can relieve the pain is to eat more brains. You know. And- was that the first movie where they went to the brain eating specifically? Yeah, Return because, of the Living Dead, yeah. 
Yeah, Return Live, which I've seen, I think, 137 times. <laughs> and I think that was just in 1985. Um, <laughs> that's how much I watched that movie. But I can't think of another instance where they, they zeroed in on brains. But it's now become so popular in the lexicon of zombie lore, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's funny that that was your, your choice, John, because my next one focuses on The Walking Dead. But I have a headcanon theory for The Walking Dead that the virus was created as a form of population control. And it's just the fact that a brand new virus that no one has ever heard of suddenly gets unleashed on the population. And, you know, they go to the CDC in the first season and there's a guy there that's been experimenting with this virus and stuff like that. Um, The fact that it's brand new and no one had ever heard of it before nobody had ever seen it before tells me that it was probably a man-made virus and if it's man-made then it could either be a form of like biological warfare but if another country had hit it had hit us with that then you would have thought that uh by the time that we're in now which is a few years later we would have seen a plane or a drone or something from that other country come in to check and see hey is everybody dead yet (laughs) or whatever and we haven't seen that. So I would submit that the U.S. government created the virus. They infected every person. Rick found out at the end of season one, and he kind of spilled the beans at the end of season two, that everybody has Rick, the virus. Rick, Rick Grimes. Rick Grimes. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Rick, Rick Grimes. Rick Grimes said uh, that everybody has the virus. We found that out when he killed when uh, Shane got killed because Shane didn't get shot in the head. Shane fell dead. Not Virginia's boyfriend Shane. Shane from the, <laughs> from the <laughs> Shane fell dead, and then he got up and he was a zombie. And they were like, "Oh, he didn't get bit." You know, Rick shot him. You know, so why is he a zombie? It was because everybody has the virus. So everybody that dies turns into a zombie unless the brainstem gets destroyed. So. Why would the government want to purposely infect their citizens with the virus? So it goes back to, I I came up with this because I saw, or I read uh, a book a a couple years ago that was one of the sequels to The Da Vinci Code. It was Inferno. Don't watch the movie. The movie sucks. But the book was pretty good. (laughs) But um, in that novel, they released a virus that doesn't kill anybody. It doesn't make anybody sick. All it does is a certain percentage of the population, about 20%, I think, 20% of the population, it causes them to be infertile. And then less babies means less people over time. And the virus carries through a few generations, getting kind of less and less as it goes. And since every person has it, then people from the U.S. would travel the world. They would take it overseas. They'd infect other people. And over the course of 10 or 20 years, then most of the world's population would have this virus and there would be you know it it would be a generation a uh, generational effect of population population control excuse me that um, you know so resources don't get depleted over time so what they didn't know was that this virus also has the effect of when somebody dies it brings them back to life and they want to eat human flesh <laughs> <laughs> so uh so when that Awkward. starts to happen and then you know they uh somebody bites somebody it causes an infection that immediately kills them and they turn into a zombie and then you know the outbreak happens and then hijinks ensue but or i 
it's just my theory that originally this virus was unleashed by the government in an effort to try and stop the depletion of resources over time by controlling the, the spread of the population. So, I know. <laughs> um, there was also another theory that came out a few years ago, actually in the first season, I think, that um, uh, Dwight, Dwight, is it Dwight? Not Dwight. Uh, Daryl. Daryl. Daryl <laughs> pulled out a bag of meth in, in season one from his brother's bag after his brother went missing. He pulled a bag of meth out and the meth was blue. So <laughs> the theory what the theory was that Walter White created the zombie apocalypse <laughs> with his uh with his blue meth. <laughs> that it all started because of Walter White's uh meth that he made. Now I don't I don't support that, that theory is actual actually true, but I do uh I do defend the population control part. <laughs> <laughs> I see the blue myth is more of a cheeky nod. Yeah, yeah. To uh, I a Broadwink. Ah, you know. Does it make sense to anybody, or does it just sound like total caca? No, I well, mean, why not? Yeah, I mean, I figured it was some um, experiment that got loose. I, I didn't think that it was intentional. I I I figured it was it was less about population control and 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 more a weaponized kind of thing because if you do drop this on some unsuspecting populace, not only does it kill the people that it kills, but the dead people come back and they kill more people. I mean, it's a it's a pretty effective weapon. Yeah, um, and it can completely devastates the economy and and just civilization. Yeah, and the fact the, the but. <laughs> The we're all infected thing. I mean, it's. I don't watch. I haven't watched Fear the Walking Dead, but I I don't get the sense that they. I mean, we still don't know. We've we've been following Rick, you know, and and his adventures, and so we only know the world that he encounters. We don't know, you know, what's happening in China. We don't know what's happening in Australia. Yeah, or what has happened. So it could very well be that America's just screwed and the rest of the countries, the, re- the other countries are keeping their distance because why wouldn't you? Of course you do. Of course you keep your distance. Yeah. Um, and the, I mean, like, what help could they give? Like, they're not, you know, and, and who would? <laughs> In our current political climate, I could easily see our former allies being like, nah, you're on your own. <laughs> yeah, the only thing that that gets me with that is there is such a thing as shortwave radio. So if there was a thriving civilization on the other side of the planet, we'd still be able to talk to them. My my headcanon says that um, stuff like th- that if you have the means, you can. Like that, like you know, we just you- haven't seen anybody do it. We haven't, yeah, because we have. We've only seen people who are kind of scraping to survive. We haven't seen, um, you know, multi-billionaires. We haven't seen people who have access to, you know, their own power supply or, you know, their own internet towers or stuff like that, or their own, you know, fleet of helicopters. 
but that's what I'm saying. Like, there's enough, and I, and I don't read the I don't read the comic, um, so I don't know. For, for, I've I've only watched the show, and so it is possible that the whole world is like this, or it is possible that I, I assume it's at least the country, because I think. Uh, Fear the Walking Dead takes place on, on in California. It's, I think. It's, yeah, that's where it started. It and, started in California. Yeah, yeah and, and presumably anywhere, you know, contiguous. That like, you know, I, I assume it, it is a large swath of our continent, if not all of it. It's it is all of it because, like I said, the 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 Fear of the Walking Dead starts in California and they start moving east, and um and this season, uh. Is it Randall? I don't. I can't remember. None of us. None of us knows. One of the the guy <laughs> the guy that the guy that fights with the stick all the time. You know, um, he left. Oh, Morgan. Yeah, Morgan. Yeah, he left The Walking Dead and went to Fear the Walking Dead. He met up with him in Texas. So they've covered. We've we've seen the whole country covered, and it's all like this. No, know? no, no. I said continent. Uh, yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know if you know. I, I, the presumption is it's everywhere, but we don't, at least I don't actually know that. And, and I, and I do believe that there are different levels of, of resources and, and technology available. Um, yeah. I'm hoping that that's some of the stories, the, the uh, questions that'll get answered before the end of the season, but. I got a feeling the season, this I mean not the season but the series. I got a feeling that series is uh not going to be around a whole lot longer. <laughs> I have I haven't seen Sunday's episode. I haven't either. I'm going to watch it after I get done with this. <laughs> so, all right. Uh that's all of them that I have. You, uh Virginia, you got any more? Um well, I kind of talked about this on um the show that we did where we were talking about show um Older shows we wanted to make a comeback, mm-hmm. and that is in Murder She Wrote. Jessica Fletcher is a serial killer. Yes. Just, <laughs> yeah, she just is. She's a menace who must be stopped. She just—it's too convenient. She's buddy buddy with the police. She's an old lady, so that therefore not not really a big suspect. And um, she happens to be at all these scenes of the crime. I I say she's a serial killer. You you should take it one step further and just make her a ghoul, and she and she's 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 actually immortal because she feeds on the life energy of the people that she's killing. Yeah, but, I mean Angela Lansbury is still alive, so that's entirely possible. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And she doesn't she doesn't you know she doesn't go the uh, the 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 amateur move is to make yourself young. Because right. people notice if you're young for thirty years, but you can look old for thirty years. Exactly. Patrick Stewart. Crafty, I mean, Patrick. <laughs> St- Patrick Stewart's looked like he was fifty-five for the last thirty years. So. <laughs> All right, John, you got any more? Um, just the one that I've, I mentioned before about the um, the Jedi and the Sith used to be one, and and. Before I say this, I am sure that there's literature out there to confirm or uh, refute this. I'm sure that I could Google it, <laughs> but I'm not going to because I don't. I don't care in my heart. I don't care. 
(laughs) 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 But um, my my headcanon theory is that the 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 Jedi and the Sith, you know, eon ago or whatever, used to be the one group. And it's often the case, um, you know, differing schools of thought split the religion into two different sects. And um, the Jedi, the, so the Jedi lean more toward unlocking the Force um, through faith and spirituality, and the Sith move more into unlocking the Force through, like, the scientific method and experimentation, which is why, and, and they're, which is, why their morality is so different. Um, Metachlorians is an idea from the Sith. They they had to, they felt the need to quantify the Force. And it was over this division. This is like one of the last things that um, that they came up with while they were still one unified uh, order, which is how uh, Qui-Gon knows about it, because they were they're still considered, it's like, um, you know, it's like everybody accepts the uh, the Old Testament. You know, all the various religions, uh, the Judeo-Christian religions accept the Old Testament. It's just a matter of, you know, where you stop believing this is the quote-unquote real word, real, real word, as to you know whether or not you're a, a Jewish or a Christian or a Muslim, um, and I think the Jedi are like that. Both the Jedi and the Sith are like that, and and at their heart, the reason that there is this blood feud between them and they can't coexist is because um, it's it's like it's like a broken heart. They can't both be right, even though they could both be right. For one to believe that the other could be right means that they've been wrong all along, yeah. and they're both they're both too arrogant and proud to acknowledge that possibility. But mm, you, you, I'm still stuck on the midichlorian thing. <laughs> I mean, okay. I think everybody is, but what um, what I'm thinking is like you're talking about the the Jedi coming at it from a spiritual point of view, but. Qui-Gon had basically the Star Wars equivalent of a tricorder and gave Anakin a blood test. Yes. And said, oh, his midichlorians are off the chart. <laughs> so it's actually, it's a quantifiable thing. Yes. I'm not saying that... So then that, why would they be against... Or, I, yeah, I... I'm not, I'm not saying that the Sith are... That's what, I don't think the Sith are inherently wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that they're wrong to follow science, and it's... And, it should be about the faith. I think they're both right to a degree. But then, but, why would Qui Gon even consider the idea of midichlorians? Because this was done back before they split. It's it is part of his order because it was part of the original order. Does that make sense? Yeah, but weren't there always Sith? See, this is where I get confused with the Star Wars thing. I thought that Qui Gon like was fighting big horn devil guy, Darth uh, Darth, <laughs> Darth Maul. Darth Maul. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm talking like, I'm, I'm talking before Qui-Gon. I'm talking before I'm talking before there were Sith. Before the Jedi were one thing. No, no, no. I, I I understand that, John. I understand that. But if they were going such such different sects based on 
one believing more in the faith aspect of it and one believing more in the science aspect of it. I just don't see Qui-Gon, Mr. Uber-Jedi, as... But he, but he wasn't, though. He, they, they, he broke the rules a lot. That was, I mean, he wasn't supposed to take Anakin in. That, that, that was Yoda's big problem with him is that he kept. He, he didn't want, he didn't want to listen. He didn't, he didn't want to follow the, 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 the scripture to the letter. Yeah. So he was always, he was always rebellious in that. Not, yeah, none so of them do. That, that, that's that's, that's what all the, <laughs> that's what all the Jedi that we follow do. They don't follow the rules to the letter, and it causes problems. <laughs> yes. You know. Um. Okay, Chris, do you do you have any that you want to throw out? Um, none that would really be appealing to the to the crowd. I always suspected that Rusty Venture and the Monarch were brothers, and it turns out, uh, spoiler alert, at the end of the season, you find out they are. So, oh, nice. So there you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. All right, we've got we got a few minutes. We haven't used up an hour yet. I wanted to ask you, have you guys, have any of you watched season three of Daredevil? John, I know you have. Chris, I suspect you probably haven't. Have not, no. Virginia, I suspect I, you I haven't, haven't watched Daredevil, no. Season you three. Any of it? Have you watched any of the show at all, Virginia? No, not yet. Okay. Season three was incredible. I mean, it's the, the best season of television that Marvel has come out with especially of the Netflix series those six series that show was awesome I watched I watched uh, the first half of the season last weekend and then last night I, I binged the rest of it like seven or eight episodes and it was that last episode uh, that fight yeah. it's just incredible I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil anything but yeah that show is great and so it turns out that um that was blind the whole time. What? <laughs> you know, one thing that did get me was um the okay. So the FBI guy, that I can't remember his name, Nadim. I think that was his name, Nadim. Yeah. Okay. So he had talked to Matt Murdock at some point. Well, are you really going to spoil something? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not spoiling anything. I'm just saying there's a, there's a scene. Where Matt doesn't in this season, Matt doesn't really put on the Daredevil suit. Most of the right. time, when he's being Daredevil, he's wearing black clothes and he's got a he, he's very um, uh, the Mad Pirate Roberts or whatever from uh, Princess Bride. You know <laughs> that kind of that kind of outfit. He's got the bandana around his head that covers his eyes. But there's one scene where he's talking to the demon. He is nose to nose with him. So he, I mean, you tell me that you can't tell number one that this is the same that this is matt murdoch i mean matt murdoch is a lawyer that everybody in hell's kitchen has seen at some point in time number two this guy's blind matt murdoch's blind come on (laughs) he doesn't know this guy's blind he's wearing a handkerchief completely covering his eyes he can't see through that you can totally see through a black piece of cloth at night I, i i i <laughs> in in yeah. in dark alleys. <laughs> I would not assume because someone has their eyes covered that they are blind. I would assume, and especially if he's doing ninja moves. I would, I would assume well, he the fact that he is not blind. <laughs> he wasn't in, the, in this scene. They're just standing there talking, and he can see everything from his nose down. <laughs> so, 
John, if I were talk, if I saw somebody, if you came up to me and you were covering your face down to your nose, I wouldn't suddenly not know that it was you. <laughs> I'm like, oh well, yeah, but you know me. He, he's met Matt Murdock once, and he's he's got a pretty generic nose and chin. And then, he's, yeah, he's got the average five o'clock stash, uh, shadow. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but overall, that show is good. And D'Onofrio claims that uh, Daredevil will not be canceled; that it's safe. I don't know about that. You know, they canceled Luke Cage. They canceled Iron Fist. We don't know. They they have not said that they're going to do another season of the Defenders. Um, I they said when they uh, canceled Luke Cage and they canceled Iron Fist that it's not totally negating their characters coming back in another in in this the show in some way like luke cage could show up on jessica jones you know even though he doesn't have his own show anymore i don't know that'll happen but the the, did you watch the last season of luke cage i haven't finished it no see the way they ended that they ended luke cage he was in a completely different place and kind of the same way with Iron Fist although it'd be easier for them they could drop Iron Fist into somebody else's story with and he he's because he's still basically Iron Fist he's, he can do some different stuff now but he's basically the same person Luke Cage is significantly different and I don't know if I don't know if they'll be able to drop him into you know a larger story or someone else's series without explaining like unless unless they're going to run with it and go with the character that he is now yeah then they are going to have to like devote an episode to getting him back to the Luke Cage of these other characters now. I would like to see, I mean, if they are going to keep Daredevil and Jessica Jones around, I would like to see them at least bring those characters in long enough to tie up loose ends and stuff. I hate to see a show get canceled um, and there's storylines that haven't been wrapped up. You know, I, I hate that. But Well, yeah, but that's, that's that is like one of the um you know, unprecedented benefits of the MCU. Just because the show is canceled, it it, it could absolutely pop up somewhere else in a, in a movie yeah. or on another network or something like that. Because it's all it's all connected. Yeah, yeah. Technically, I, I I personally don't see. I know that the uh, Marvel Netflix show take place in the same universe as the MCU. I don't see them mixing. I don't see Daredevil showing up in the Avengers because it's just it's a completely different feel. These shows are more violent; they're a lot darker than Avengers yeah. movies and stuff. So, if you bring them into, if you have Jessica Jones show up in the next Iron Man movie or whatever, it's just, it's a completely different feel, and it's just not going to feel like a like the right fit. Yeah, but you could say that about you know. Guardians of the Galaxy and I don't know Anything. Captain America yeah. <laughs> yeah but if you know if you tell the right story and you you got the right script then you're good I would like to see a, a, a Punisher uh, 
crossover with Riverdale. <laughs> mm. They did an <laughs> they did an issue. There was an Archie comic where the Punisher showed up uh, years and years ago. <laughs> I'd love to see see him do something with that. Uh, the only other show that I've watched that I wanted to mention now, as of this recording, I've only watched one episode. But the Haunting of Hill House. Have you guys watched any of that? No. I've seen two episodes. I'm liking it so far. Yeah, I like it. I like. Well, I like the first episode. It is creepy. <laughs> it is really creepy. Yeah, if you yeah. like, uh, if you like horror that has to do with uh, ghosts and stuff, you'll you'll like it. And uh, and Chris, you'll like it because uh, what's her name is in it. Um, God, Jennifer Connelly, Salma no, Hayek. No. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. I'll, I'll, name your questions. I will edit this part, but hold on. <laughs> Let me pull up Wikipedia and I'll tell you who I'm talking about. Uh, the the haunting. Spell haunting right, Sean. Haunting of Hill House TV series. Um, that's not funny, Sherry. Uh, <laughs> Carla. Jugin- oh, Gugino. Gugino. Yeah, Carla Gugino. Yeah. yeah. That's, that? that's that's one of uh, Chris's crushes. Carla Gugino. She, I mean, who is, like who is she? What is she She has the been The latest in, thing she was in, she was in Gerald's Game. Yeah, Gerald's Game and, on, and she was in and, um Sin City. She was in those movies. Sin City. Uh she was in The Watchmen. She played Sally Jupiter in Watchmen. Okay. So, yeah. I'm I I haven't seen it yet, but I will. Um, After you get done binging Lord of the Rings, the twenty-hour edition. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if you call that binging. Now, like, is that is that Lord of the Rings? <laughs> is that Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit together? Or is it just Lord of the Rings? No, I'm just doing Lord of the Rings. Right. But it, I got the I got the extended editions. But if you think of it less as three movies and like a miniseries, then you're fine. Yeah. Because it's, cause it's, I mean, it's, you know, they're three and a half, four hours each, and there's three of them, so, what was that, ten, so that's like ten episodes, ten, twelve episodes? Yeah, if you just watch it an hour at a time, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> yeah. Not what I did, but I did is keep passing out, and rewind, passing out, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they, I mean, they've got, an hour at a time, the smart thing to do. they've got a Lord of the Rings-centered series that's supposed to be starting next year, I think, on Amazon, so, yeah. Uh, I don't think it, it's not an adaptation of the books. This is like a prequel to, following uh, Aragorn, I think, if I'm remembering right. So. Yeah, I think I think that's what it is. Also, so I I haven't watched it yet, but I intend to. I will give the new uh, version of Charmed a try, and I will give the um, new Sabrina the Teenage Witch. On Netflix, the Dark Adventures or whatever it is. Yeah, Sabrina. I'm gonna, I'm chilling, gonna, chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yeah, I'm gonna. Check I'll try it. it. I'm gonna. I'm check definitely out gonna watch that. Yeah. Gonna... I, 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 you know, Netflix has has earned some um, benefit of the doubt for me at this point. Oh, and if you like true crime stuff, they've got season two of Making a Murderer on there, um, which I I I, I enjoy watching true crime uh, stories. Uh, murder trials and that kind of thing and season one was uh was pretty good and season two is so far you know i've watched like three four episodes i think so far it's pretty good is uh, it the call season two 
making it murderer. No, oh. it's it's like continuing. <laughs> it's continuing. Stephen Avery. <laughs> Stephen Avery um, is in prison for killing this woman, and uh, he's still there. So I mean, spoiler alert: season two, he doesn't get out of jail. But season two is he's hired a new lawyer because he's been in jail. He's been in jail for this for like fifteen years now. But um, he, he's hired a new lawyer that's kind of taking a look at the case and trying to uh, trying to get a new trial for him and stuff. And that's what season two is about. So. Is, he, is he saying, does he say that he didn't do it? Well, he claims he didn't do it. And they, which, I mean, it's all subjective because, you know, you don't know which slant the, the filmmakers are going with. But season one left a lot of questions about the honesty of the uh, investigators that worked on this case. It, they really made it look like they possibly could have planted some evidence. But like I said, you don't know which way these filmmakers are trying to spin it. Um, mm. So so it's, it, it's, it's very interesting. The, the whole thing was that Stephen Avery went to prison for murder when he was really young and was in prison for about 12 or 13 years. DNA evidence... Uh, came along and proved him innocent and they let him out and then it, he was not out for very long and they arrested him for a different murder and put him back wow. in jail so there's questions as to whether the police officers that put him in jail the first time are just trying to cover their tracks and planted evidence to get him put back in jail and then there's there's also a another uh, person involved in this I can't remember his name He's a young, he was a young guy. He's like 16 at the time. Supposedly, he um, participated in the murder. And there's a lot of questions as to his mental capacity because he really seems like he has, I don't know if it's autism or something, but he's he, he's, he doesn't seem like he is of the age that he should be. You know, when he was 16, he seemed like he was more like 9 or 10, something like that, you know. So judging by the uh, confession that they had on video, it really looked like the police officers were coercing him into saying things that they needed him to say so that they could get a conviction. And So, is is the making a murderer a reference to the police making this person into a murderer, even though he may not be? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Are, mm-hmm. they, are, they, create, are they taking this person and turning them into the murderer that they need to solve a crime? Instead right. of instead of actually solving the crime, you know. So, because I mean, pretty much they convicted this guy. They did not have a body. There was no body. They found a couple of bone fragments. That was it, you know. So, I don't know. I re- I recommend I recommend the show if you if you like true crime uh, documentary docu series kind of stuff. Netflix because of the success of season one. There's about four or five of these kind of shows on there. But uh, making a murderer is is a really good one. I, I like it. I don't want to say I enjoy it because I don't enjoy watching people get murdered and stuff. <laughs> but uh, all right, uh, that's uh, pretty much all that I've got. So let me thank everybody for being here. Virginia, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And let everybody know where they can find you. You can find my Star Trek for Beginners blog at To Casually Go, and you can find a podcast that I co-host with my boyfriend wait you've never seen right here on cosmic potato podcast network all right and chris 
Uh, thank you, Sean, for having me, as always. Where can, Wonderful discussion. Where can people find you? Headcanon. Um, <laughs> in my headcanon, I may host the Quantum Leap Podcast. Yeah. Uh, QuantumLeapPodcast.com. And uh, you can also find me on my own website at TheFlipSide.com. So check it out. All right. And John, as always. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm on uh, Captain Game Show. I'm not Captain Game Show though. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want people to think that this is like a like a Sasha Fierce Beyonce uh, <laughs> kind of Chris Gaines, uh, uh, right? Uh, Garth Brooks, yeah, Garth Brooks thing. No, I'm, I'm, I am not Captain Game Show. Captain Game Show is just the show. Uh, people have referred to me as the captain. I'm fine with that in the context of the show. But um, it's not a, it's not an alter ego. So like like I don't want I appreciate all the fans, but I don't want you to, like join <laughs> like superhero. Oh look, here's Captain. Get- no, no, he's not a person. There's there's no he doesn't have powers. It's just the name of the show. It's also on the Cosmic Potato <laughs> Network. <laughs> and uh, uh, and I will end things with this. Uh, would you rather? make a balloon animal for everyone that you meet or you have to feed Snooky a, a Costco-sized tub of peanut butter every day. <laughs> balloon animal. Balloon animal. Yeah, balloon animal. Yeah. Either one requires you having to interact with uh, people you don't know. but <laughs> Yeah, but one brings joy. Yeah. <laughs> Here's Snooky. Have another, have another spoonful of peanut butter. All right. If you want to uh, get in touch with us, you can uh, listen at the end of the show. And announcer Nate will tell you all the places that you can find us. And um, also come to CosmicPotato.com and listen to some of the other shows that we have to offer. We got some pretty good ones. And make sure. That and, you... and I'm sorry. And come to our website and leave your head cannon. Come to uh, mm. Facebook or, or the Cosmic Potato website and uh, let us know what's fascinating stories you've come up with to explain uh, the bullshit of your stuff yeah yeah join, join our uh, join our Facebook group and uh, we put some stuff out there and have some interesting conversations sometimes so um, make sure you join us next time on Cosmic Potato the super fan talk podcast when you might hear John say I like to think that in Bizarro World when someone says Candyman three times, Willy Wonka appears. <laughs> Be sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. You can contact us by email at mail at cosmicpotato.com or send us a voicemail or text message to 205-642-8380. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. Thank you for joining us for Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast.